Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. At Evolution NHS, we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. We collaborate with NHS organisations to help them build high-performing digital teams. We achieve this by creating and sharing insights into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industries' best practices. I am Ellie from Evolution Recruitment Solutions and today I am your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect official position or policy of their organisation. So if we could get started and Philippa, if you could just start by introducing yourself, please. Yep. Hi, I'm Philippa Graves. I'm the um, Executive Officer in charge of Digital and Estates at East London Foundation Trust, which is everything but acute. And my background is I'm a trained radiology professional and then did research for a number of years at Guys and Tommy's. And following that, have done turnaround, really, and leadership at, at board level for service improvement. So I've worn lots of t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I have um, an active and large family that I managed to have at the same time as all of these other wonderful things. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a an experienced person in healthcare. What I'd love to have done is to have done more things outside healthcare, but there's always time. Thank you. Hand over now. Thank you, Philippa. Um, Ava, over to you. Hi, so I'm Eva Sam. I am the interim um, digital program director at Dartford and Gravesham. Um, I have spent most of my career working in projects in digital. So opposite end of the spectrum there. I have a dog, not an active family, but the dog is active. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, okay, perfect. So we will get started. Um, Philippa, I'll come to you first. Um, so you wanted to sc- discuss when we had the initial call to discuss the podcast and um, you really thought it'd be good to discuss the things that you would have told your younger self at the start of your leadership career. So you started in the management program, didn't you, with the NHS? Started in the radiology um, degree. So I, I started off in a clinical role mm-hmm. and and then decided to, not by choice, I think, it just happened but to do other things. And so I think I've learned an awful lot about all sorts of things in the journey that I've had, and it's been long and and varied. And, yeah, it would have been lovely if someone had told me these things before I started off on my journey. I think life could have been easier. I think I could have made the most of things without having so much angst. So, yeah, that's what I thought would be good to talk about. I'm not the first person to have done it. I thought it was a great idea and individual. <laughs> I've had a look and actually lots of people have done something similar. But I think my messages may be slightly different. So really happy. Do you want me to just do my part and then I hand over to Eva? Yeah, yeah I'd like so to do that. If that's you, yeah, you talk oh, about yeah. um, okay. your experiences, what you would have told yourself, and then we'll go yeah. to Eva and see what Eva's thoughts are. Maybe she's had some similar experiences or maybe she hasn't and she would tell herself something completely yeah. different and then we'll go on to Eva's question. Fantastic. So I think the first thing, so I've tried just to pick like three topics because you could go on and on, and I didn't want to, knowing that it would just be a limited time. So the most important things, I think, are authentic self. And that may sound odd, but started off being the person I thought you needed to be 
to be a clinical expert, to be a leader, to be a manager, to be what whatever role you are playing, there is a different look and feel, language, persona. And that isn't true. But you don't find that out till you've done everything and you realize the value of you coming to work as you and not pretending to inhabit somebody else. And there are many challenges. If you're not your authentic <laughs> self and you are pretending to be something that you're not or conforming to be something that takes a lot of energy and effort to be, you're never going to reach your full potential. People will never know the real you. And actually to do your job well as yourself, to be valued for you is something that feeds back to the soul. Whereas when you're not, eventually something will happen where the real you will come out and then it can be a shock or people disengage. And it's a career. And if that's the word, it's a lifelong event. It's not going to be five minutes with people that you meet today that you may never see again. I mean, even a plane journey. Mm -hmm. I've seen the same people twice. So if you were a hideous flyer, people are going to remember you. And that's the same at work, in the workplace, when you're training, when you're working, the chats you have outside. If you're yourself and they know you, you're appreciated for you and you're valued for you. And networking is really important in everything we do. It's the value of relationships and and the fact people connect with us, want to work with us, want things that we have good ideas about to work and they're part of it. And all of that is about being authentic. And I'm not saying I haven't never been authentic. I'm just saying that when I started off, I really believed there was a look and feel. I never talked about my family ever having three children was not something people celebrated. And I know that sounds odd, but I actually heard some really bad things from people who just thought people of childbearing age were was, was somebody to support. They weren't an active workplace member. All of those things are changing and that's fantastic and the language is changing. But why not be proud of the fact that you have a home and you have people in it or your dog or your your friends, whatever it is, everybody has something that really matters to them. And we are a whole person. We're not just eight hours of someone. So if I'd known all of that, I would have been more free with what I said. You you offered up something at the beginning of why we should finish. An authentic person does that. Someone else would not mention it and then get very upset when things didn't go to plan. That's the other part about authentic self. If you are willing to put yourself out there and share some things, maybe you didn't succeed, maybe you wished you'd done something differently, or how it made you feel and an authentic person has feelings and a workplace persona is just that. It's like an avatar. You're not real. So the real person is something you can carry through your life. People know you and they're much more likely to think of you when opportunities arise. They're much more likely to reach out to you and to be honest and truthful. So if you want to do turnaround, if you want to do change, if you want to lead, you rely on people with you. They have to be with you. And to do that, 
I mean, studied leadership and looked at all the differences between a dictator versus a leader and yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of that is true. But actually, we know in life that there are people that we identify with that we want to be in the airspace with. We would want to follow them because we trust them. And trust is something that comes from being authentic because you know that person's genuine. I think in that whole envelope is being honest when you fail, is owning up to saying sorry that maybe things were not exactly as you would have liked them to be, to acknowledge that people have lives and feelings and get that out into the room. You don't have to talk all the time or agree with people. You can say, I don't agree in a kind way. You can say it without having a combat. You can make your point. And you don't have to speak all the time. You can say the killer phrases or drop in what you need to get out into the room to be thought-provoking and sometimes to diffuse something or kill it dead. And they're skills that you learn because you feel comfortable being you and saying those things. And often you'll get, God, I'm so glad you spoke. I really wanted to say that, but I didn't feel validated. Well, what is validated? Who validates us? We do. Our confidence in us is why we succeed or fail. And I think when you're younger, there's all sorts of milestones of things going on about, should I say it? And if I say it, no one will like me. And you sit there having that going on in your head while you're in a room where you could have made a big difference and stopped something or helped something happen. And there's nothing wrong with it. You might be wrong, but if you give your reasons and people support you and trust you, you get fair airtime and you don't get some of those horrible situations where everybody turns to close you down. Because I've seen that too. I think the importance of authentic self is the real success of life is to be aware of all of the facets and to be aware of the politics and to be aware of people's unconscious bias. Because we all bring into the room a lot of things that others don't know about. The more they know about you and the more you know about them, the more you understand people. And people are what makes it tick. That's why we come to work. That's our biggest asset in the health service. Yeah, we talk about technology and we talk about all of that good stuff, but it's being used by people who we're asking to change or support or whatever. So it really matters. And I think the relationship part, you can get joy at work. If you really like your colleagues, if you really understand each other and you support when things are hard, it's a joy even when it's terrible. And we all know in, in healthcare, big programs, there can be terrible parts because the pressure's on, because we're trying to do so many things. Things never go according to plan because it just doesn't happen. And it's your ability to fail fast. It's your ability to let everyone know that you're saying, look, I said this, I really meant it, but this has happened. This has changed. This is the situation. So let's have a a workshop, let's talk about, shall we stay? Shall we go? Should we change? Should we alter? Being agile in your thoughts, acknowledging that you've come up with another plan and taking people with you. All of that is because you are genuine. If you're not, people mistrust you. They go into a huddle. 
you have to take people with you. So I think the bit about life not being a plan, goodness me, it just never stops throwing something at you that you aren't expecting. And your ability to cope, work, succeed is all down to being authentic and people knowing you and they will support you. People are not generally bad at all. They're there to help, but they don't always understand. And I think in life, if you look at our backgrounds, if you look at everybody, where they came from, what happened in their childhood, what their life is now, what their drivers are, what their beliefs are. So if you have a different culture, all of that is about authentic self. And the wiser you are and the more human based you are, the better you are at keeping people involved. The health values are we care, we respect, we are inclusive. And they're really good mantras just for life. But I think good leaders, these are the things that if you know early on, you can really bring it to the workforce and you can allow others to do the same. And you have the power to do that. And you can mentor new people and you can help and you can support. I mean, there's the whole thing about women in the workplace and 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 the menopause and the whole lot of what some of us bring to work in the suitcase that other people may not. But the authentic self is about allowing for whatever it is to be there present. So if I'd known that, I think I may have done things differently. But what I can say is I think I had an epiphany probably about five or seven years ago, a really big one. I've always tried to be authentic and all of those things, but really felt validated. The imposter syndrome when I got far too many promotions far too quickly that really ate away at my belief because other people were challenging you all the time. They would be in the jobs you were in. You were there for challenge. If I'd handled it differently, it wouldn't have felt so personal. I wouldn't have been going home with headaches. I wouldn't have taken it home, which is the other thing that come on to. That's a really important part. You can do it well. And to be really successful and stay there a bit like a sports person, you really need to hone the whole lot because otherwise it destroys you because you are not match ready and you need to be all the time. So I think if you want that job, if you want to be a leader, that really is your goal. And not everybody enjoys it. Not everyone gets joy at work. In fact, they really don't like it. If you don't want to feel sick about going to work in the morning, but you want to have that opportunity to lead change, then it would really help if you knew that before you started. So that's number one, authentic Thanks, self. I do think as well with authenticity, if you're not being yourself, people can see straight through you, can't they? So you kind of lose that respect immediately because people know that you're not being genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Eva? So um, I would agree with that. You know, bringing your authentic self in is is really important because it does build all those connections with people. Um, Obviously, we're expecting people to still be professional in the workplace. And, you know, so there is that veneer that goes on. um, But, you know, that bringing that in, I mean, I talk to people about my dogs and my mistakes all the time. You know, oh, whoopsie daisy, I accidentally smashed a hole in my wall. You know, yeah, and it just brings that in and allows you to build and have those conversations, following with people, and and also as you say, it helps you um, sort of temperature check what's happening with the people you're working with as well. 
you know, because you get that feedback as well. So you know that someone's got some issues at home or, you know, families in a hospital or something like that. And it really helps you sort of adapt to support them in a different way or understand potentially why their behavior might be slightly um, out of character at the time. So I think, you know, that that whole building relationships is super important to to lead a team. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Philippa, so you said that you had three points. So do you yeah. want to go on to point two? So they're sh- going to make them short. So each one comes in, they're shorter because they're, I've put them in order. So the second oh, one okay. <laughs> is there's no such thing as an ideal job. doesn't exist. None of the things. You look in NHS jobs or whatever and you're thinking of a career change. And because of the way life is now, and I think COVID's really helped, you could have five or six careers in your span of work. So there isn't a set thing. But you sit there waiting for the ideal job to come up and the most likely thing you need to do is shape and create what it is you feel is needed because you know best because you're on the floor and to work well with your great relationships to the people who are leading or to others to say why don't we have something like this and to make that you. So if I'd known that earlier on I would have stopped changing jobs every week because this one was more that but not enough this and the hours or or the situation or all of it, you can influence and influencing is a really important skill. And I also think you need to be bold. I'll tell you what else I've learned. And that is, I think I never valued myself in, in terms that would ask for certain things. Some of my colleagues, particularly gentlemen, would be asking for flexi hours before any of it was on the table. They'd be asking for it having not working Fridays, but being paid for five days. will be all of the things I felt were, I don't know what I would give the word really. It made me feel uncomfortable. So there was something inside that was like, oh, that's not quite right. And actually it was very right because what they did, you need to be working smarter, not harder. You need to make an impact. Hours don't equal results. It's about really giving it all and a lot of it's pre-thinking and your relationship. If you're really good at it, you don't have to work as hard as other people to achieve an awful lot more than they do. And it's about you knowing you. But you don't, there isn't an ideal job and you really need to articulate what it is you want. And if you don't do things the way you should and if you don't, if you're not bold and if you don't speak when the chance is there, and shape things for you, you're going to regret it. And it makes you really kind of resentful. And then that plays out because you think, oh, I'm doing all of this and they all go home at four o'clock and that man doesn't work Friday. Out comes all the things that other people are doing and what you're not focusing in. And I am doing a great job. I'm really valued and I have got the package that really suits me. And I have got the job description or the, the role that really makes me happy. And I've done every job that some of them don't even exist, but I created them. And I think had I known that earlier, it would have been really useful to know that you could do that. But people do not encourage you. They don't tell you the how. And I learned it mostly from situational needs or opportunities that arose. I created jobs where I'd say, well, I'm not going to give this up. But I'm willing to change this, this, and this for you. So we'll make a new role encompassing these things that I really enjoy doing what you want me to do, which I don't really enjoy, but I'll make a big difference. 
that, that hadn't existed before it was created. So I think you can do that. Information and intelligence and your networking and all of that good stuff is absolutely critical to know that you're hitting on a, a point that there is a need for something, that there will be an opportunity because pushback can also be quite hurtful. So it's about knowing the business. It's about feeling the opportunities and having the network in order to have those discussions with your authentic self. So that really is my number two. Thanks, Philippa. Eva? So I completely agree with you there. Um, there is no such thing as an ideal job. And my approach here has always been, and I don't know why this started, but ever since I started working, I chose to do the the best job I could to try to make myself redundant. Because I think effectively, I was like, well, I like doing these things and I don't like these things. So how can I turn these things into something that happened without me having to get involved in them? And this turned it into my ethos of, right, make make everything so efficient that you don't need me anymore, which actually I've never been made redundant <laughs> because of that, because I make things so efficient that I'm useful for a lot of things, but I get to develop and change those roles into what to the things I actually like to do. Um, and so I've been doing that for very many, many, many years. Um, but I find that it's, it's absolutely that you can manipulate it into what you want. You can't just stop doing some things, but you can change the way they're done to make them either more interesting or something that just manages itself quite well. Um, my favorite one of that is one of the ones that started me off very early in my career as I was, um, uh, doing admin for a physiotherapy team and they had these massive green sheets that they used to fill in with you know a one next to a name under a day to say I've done 15 minutes with this patient 50 and then I used to have to sit there and take everything out of those and put it into something else and then add it all up until I was like right I'm not having this this is horrific so I learned how to build databases and I built them a database and made them do it themselves. And then all I had to do was print a report at the end of it, which saved me loads of time and I got to do more interesting things. Um, but that's sort of my favourite example of how I started off on that journey, just going, right, I'm not doing this. No. Another <laughs> <laughs> way. So, yes. So I, I absolutely agree. There is no ideal job, but you can make the best of what you've got, turn it into what you, you like to do um, and, you know, find that stuff that gives you joy. Thank you. Philippa, back over to you for your third point. Last one, balance. Balance. So I think, I, as I said, I didn't mention I had children. I missed sports days. I missed Christmas plays. I missed so many things because I thought asking to attend those, I don't know, just didn't feel validated to do it. It was a long time ago and obviously now they're all grown up. But I think going forward, I would realise more that what happens at home, it needs support. It's as important. There's a team there. They're the things that you remember. And they showed, McKinsey study showed that when men become more successful, they do less and less in their homes at home. And women do more and more. The more successful they become, the more they do. So really, they're super stretched, not looking after themselves. So they're not their best self. And you can't be good at everything at the same time. There's always a team behind key tennis players. There's a whole team there. You're not on your own. But people need to want whatever you're doing and support you. And you need to have the dialogue and be as authentic at home 
as you are in the workplace and have those discussions. And if someone says, well, I'm not going to support you, then you know you're on your own and maybe that requires you getting extra help in, doing something else, you know, with the children, sitting down with them, coming up with a plan, coming up with a support plan of some kind. I was lucky. I had every support there was. I had three strong women in my family who all wanted to make my life better so I could succeed. Without them, it would never have happened. And I think they're the discussions. They're the things that matter, the balance to feel good in your life, not at work. Go to the gym, do all the things you need to do, have the time to be whole as well as doing your job. And that just makes you better. So I think those are the things I wished I'd learned, that those discussions need as much planning, preparation and time as those you would give at work. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. My top three. Thank you for that. And Eva, over to you. Is there anything that you would tell your younger self that that you wish you had? Yes, yeah, so being authentic, um, I think there's a lot of things I probably should have known as my younger self, but I think I probably would have changed my path quite a bit, which I'm not sure I would actually want. Um, so I thought about what I would tell my younger self, and I think there's, again, three points. Mine are relatively brief. Um, my first one is always assume positive intent, regardless of the circumstance, and then act accordingly. So throughout your career, I mean, it, it's difficult. Someone says something, you read it one way, they mean something else, and that can cause a lot of friction. So just assume that they're actually that wasn't their intention take it as as positive as you possibly can and that really reduces that friction and really helps just smooth those relationships um a, a great example recently i remember um a project a program director started at a job i was in and he had a meeting with me and he's like right eva you're working on too much we're taking some of these projects off you and i was furious what is he doing he can't take my projects i work on these what are you doing a couple of months ago, I was sitting down with, with the team I'm working with, and I'm like, oh, guys, you're working on too much. I'm going to have to take some of these projects off you. And they were like, boy, you can't. I, I just said to them, do you know what? However many years ago, I was in the exact opposite. And believe it or not, this actually is the right course of action, despite what you might think. And I explained that all out to them. But, you know, if I had assumed at that point that actually he wasn't going, oh, either you can't do this job, you, you know, Actually, he's saying, what I'm trying to do is help you do this in a much better way and give you time to focus because we, this is what we need. It would have made it very different at the time. So I think it's it's a really important thing for people to do is don't take it personally. It's not personal. Just take it as that sort of positive intent that people usually actually have behind what their actions. Um, do you want me to just run through them quickly and then we can, yeah. So they are yeah, quite pretty. Sure. Yeah. The second one is that it is the journey that is important and not the destination. So you will move through everything. Yes, you may have a life goal, but it's not actually getting there. It's everything that happens to you on the way. So enjoy it, live it, and be part of it. Um, don't just dismiss everything that's happening to reach something else because those things are really, really important. Um, and I think there are many times that I sort of move through things really quickly and actually when you look back missed out on some of the things that could have been done um and then my third one is learn from everything your wins as well as your misses these are all really important how did it go well what made it go well and 
is it repeatable versus, oh, this went wrong and how can I actually make that better next time? So it's it's learn from everything that's happening um, and watch it and feel it and, um, you know, help people, other people understand that as well. Um, so those lessons are just really, really important to improving and, and helping the environment as well. Perfect. Thank you. Um, okay, Fab, we'll move on to your uh, question now. Um, so you wanted to discuss what do you think we as female leaders today can do to inspire the next generation of female leaders and what female role models inspired you to succeed? So it's a bit of a two-part question, but if you could just give a bit, us a bit of context um, and then we'll go over to Philippa and get her thoughts. Yes, absolutely. So I think... Um... So the first part of the question, what can we do? I think the really important thing is we identify the people that are our potential future leaders. So Philippa, you mentioned earlier, it's not for everyone and it isn't. There are certain people that kind of really fit into those roles. And I'm not saying other people can't do them, but the people with that sort of positive attitude, the willingness to learn, that passion for what they're doing, and that desire to take on new challenges. So it's really identifying those people um, and then helping them provide them the opportunity. Um, And within that, you know, in supporting them to take risks, to try new things um, and making sure they get the ability to learn and grow as they're going. Um, And behind this for me, so the role models that allowed me to look at all this, um, to be a little bit cliche, my mum, is the first one. So very intelligent woman. She was a researcher. She was a lecturer. She could fix her car. She could knit. She could, you know, do like everything. It was unbelievable. Amazing. Like she paints, sculpts, everything. But she had no self-belief. And so growing up, I saw someone who, for me, was incredible, could do all this stuff, inspired me to try everything but did not have the self-belief in herself to push herself forward. And I said to myself as in my youth, I don't want that for me. I want to be able to push forward. So it was good, you know, learning from the negatives as well as the positives that actually, what do I want to be and how do I want to be that? So helping people actually get the confidence as well to try things. Um, I then had a absolutely fantastic um, female um, lead when I was, very early on in my career and she built a fantastic team around her and she sort of recognized our potential and provided us with that opportunity Um, and she accepted that we made mistakes brilliant and she would also let us make them Um, a great example here is i was um, sort of leading the admin team for a department and they had this room full of notes that were in uh, filing cabinets. They went back 25 years probably. And, and I went, right, I'm getting rid of them. That's it. I'm going to do this. It'll take a few weeks. And she's like, no, never stop. It's not going to take a few weeks. You sure you want to do this? Yes, I'm doing this. About three months later, I finally finished this going through filing notes where they needed to be being, you know, she had to go through everything and check it all. Um, but, you know, she kind of went, all right, well, if you really want to give it a go, go for it, but you're going to have to actually commit to do this. And it was brilliant because, you know, she she gave us the environment that let us 
do these sorts of things and lead in the departments that we were working in and actually supported us to do that. So she didn't say, no, I don't want that. Do it this way. Well, you're definitely not doing that. She said, okay, give it a go. That's what you want. Um, so that was brilliant. And she was a brilliant force and driver as well. So, you know, she had a lot of drive. She had a lot of vision. She knew where she wanted to go and, you know, allowed us to support her to deliver that vision as well. Um, so that was absolutely brilliant and a great way to start my career because it's such a strong um, leader. Um, and I am still friends with her today. So um, <laughs> that's great. Um, I've also had you know, female leaders uh, or managers who, you know, again, learning off the negatives, would make petty changes to things you did, didn't provide those support. You know, they'd be quite picky and micromanagement on what you did. And it made you sort of go, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, what's the point of me putting the effort into this? Because, you know, it, 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 I'm not getting anything back from this. So for me, again, I was like, right, what I don't want to do is be somebody who does that to people. I want to give them the freedom to do what they want and and build themselves. Um, so that's my, my take on that. Thank you. Philippa, what are your yeah, thoughts? Really, no, really interesting. Giving it lots of thought, actually. Um, in terms of people, I think... I've gone further afield than than within my house, although I had a grandmother who could do all of those things. And because education wasn't such a big thing in those days, you did not appreciate the many skills they had because they could literally turn their hand to anything. And I think the war had a very large part, obviously being the grandmother, in that. But the people I've kind of really respected, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who stood up for things and said things and fought for them, that at that point were really not something equality was not. And that was equality the other way around. A female, you know, legal person fighting for the rights of a male carer. Pretty amazing, I thought. And then secondly, Marie Curie, I would say that, wouldn't I, with radiology, but she had a really hard time. It was women could succeed, but they weren't allowed to speak. And if you would like to come and get a prize, we'd like you to just come through the back door and leave quickly. So I think those kind of people have been inspirational. I, I've i worked for some really challenging female bosses who did what I said at the beginning. They weren't their authentic self. They were wearing a, a persona of being really quite hard and unwieldy. And people at the higher levels didn't have families and it wasn't allowed, you know, it was just not considered. And that, I get that, I really do. But I think... I wanted to be different. So what inspired me was wanting to be different. And I think when you look at the rainbow of skills that a lot of people have with, as I've said, many careers, the opportunities to do something. I've done everything. There is nothing that I haven't done in healthcare. And that to me really, really pleases me. <laughs> but some people would find that, you know, odd going outside a comfort zone. But if you apply the same logic, get to understand it manage it and bring it on in the same way you can do anything so that belief my job I think is to make the workplace fertile for anybody and that can be people of different abilities we just want our workforce to be healthy and and equal and everyone to have an equal part and as a mother of only daughters because that's what I had I'm a girl mummy I wanted them to do tech. I wanted them to do engineering. I wanted them to do anything they wanted. 
and never to be gender identified. Be what you want to be. Be yourself and do something for the world. And the youngest one is in tech and is doing really well. And I'm really proud of that, although the other two are doing, one of them did criminology, so that's quite out there. And the eldest one's occupational therapy and is now a lecturer running the master's programme. So they have all used education. They have used skills, people skills. They're determined. Mm -hmm. But more than that, they're really kind, nice people and they make the world a better place. And at work, that's what I hope, you know, in the few years I have left within my workplace to bring that fertile culture that anyone can be anything they want and to be there to support but to lead by example because it, it, it you can say one thing and do something completely different so I really want to inspire the people of tomorrow that our workplace will have I have just employed my first server engineer who's female I have an integration person who's female uh super duper that's where we want to go and and to get the job because they were better and because they have the experience and because they have the right values for the workplace that I want to create. That's the pride. And it will come with all of these other things. But I really want to be creating that workforce and showing people they can It's not have it all. That isn't true. There's always a balance to be struck. But to feel more positive, I think women in the workplace not have had a raw deal. That's not fair. The health service is one of the fairest places in terms of pay and opportunity. However, it is still against you. You still have to go on maternity leave. You still have the menopause. You still have all those things. There's nothing I can do about those. But what I can do is say, and we all get through this and you'll come out of it a different person and maybe even a better person. So I think the workplace for me, I want to create as a leader and I don't want my gender to be the thing that defines it. What I really want is that the workplace is fair and equitable. And I'm encouraging all of tomorrow's bright sparks to really want to do something different. That's how I feel. So um, that's my answer to that one. Thank you, Philippa. Before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or any of anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Ellie Fox and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at ellie.fox at evolution-contract.co.uk. Thanks again to all our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.